0: Welcome into the fireside Chat. I'm Tony Mulvey, Senior Analyst here at Freightways, joined by Casey Armstrong, Chief Marketing Officer over at ShipBob. Casey, how's it going? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Tony? You know, I can't complain. Can you give us a rundown of, of what you do, what ShipBob does, and, and kind of talk about, obviously, we're going to talk about Black Friday and trends in, in e-commerce. So I'm going to
1: give a rundown of what ShipBob does and, and what your role is there. Yeah. So as as you mentioned, I'm Casey Armstrong. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer over here at ShipBob. I've been here for five and a half years. So I've been fortunate to see um, a lot of the growth and expansion that that we've seen. At ShipBob, we are a global fulfillment solution. We support thousands of brands selling all over the world. We've got 50 plus locations um, in the US and in Canada, UK, Europe, Australia. Um, We support um, sellers that are selling across any channel, whether that's their their own .dot com or that's uh, through a retail partner or through a marketplace or something like TikTok Shop that's been been blowing up and and our goal is really to reduce the um the needs and complexity of these brands for what they do on the operation side and really surprise and delight their customers.
0: Awesome stuff. And, and you're you guys are coming off the biggest retail holiday of the year with black friday into cyber monday kind of talk about what the trends that we saw this year were i i know in in searching and some data that you all provided like it it seemed like a big growth week in terms of e-commerce as a whole and then this kind of outsource fulfillment as well
1: yeah i'd say heading into every black friday and, and cyber monday it really is the the time to shine for the the brands and, and for us You know it's we start planning to support our customers for for peak season you know and by the by the end of q1 it's really when q1 rolls around we're really focused on a lot of like the return side of the business but at the same time we have a lot of our customers that are in the health and wellness space with the new year new you campaigns that we need to support uh and then by the end of q1 of course we're supporting them throughout the year but it's really planning on what does that next peak look like both from an operations and from a technology standpoint and uh i know there have been just a lot of um you know the environment now is a little bit different than it's been for the last decade uh, i'd say including last year was similar to this year where we were cautiously um optimistic of what we'd see from consumers and you know how they were uh, spending their time and how they were spending their money but it was another record-breaking year um, that, that we saw for us. And so when you start looking at, so the, the biggest days are, are Black Friday and Cyber Monday. What we've actually seen over the last few years the, the third biggest day is actually Giving Tuesday or the Tuesday after Cyber Monday. Um, when you compare Black Friday to the average Friday in October, we actually saw that it was over three and a half X. Um, and that's across, again, thousands of brands shipping, you know, millions of, of items around the world. And so, you know, the the, the base there is pretty strong. Um, for the entire weekend, it was up almost three X uh, from the average weekend in just October. And so, yes, we saw that the consumers were, were, were coming out strong. Um, we did see earlier in November, st- sales start to pick up um, earlier in the month. I mean, we've been seeing that trend, I'd say, since 2020. Well, 2020 was essentially just peak season the whole year, but you know we did see um, consumers really start to pick up as, as the brands started to unlock their Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales earlier in November.
0: Yeah, it it seems like brands are are leaning into earlier sales. It's it seems like everybody's fighting for those dollars earlier. And earlier, I mean, is that a trend that you see continuing over, say, the next five to ten years? Is that something? that we're going to continue to see is is brands trying to fight for these dollars earlier. And then kind of how is the consumer, like, is there been changes in consumer behaviors, like the shift to e-commerce versus, you know, brick and mortar that dominated Black Friday
1: for so long? So how brands will navigate that exactly? Of course, I'm, I'm not sure what, do these brands continue to, to innovate and rely on their consumer behavior to drive what what they're going to do and figure out how they're going to differentiate some brands came out really strong with just very deep discounts and and bundling discounts to try to drive a lot of those sales early some companies that maybe have even like a stronger brand awareness and affinity from their consumers I don't really went less on the discounts and more for for giveaways as well and so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens there i was very Happy to see the demand on the commerce side. So a lot of the direct to consumer um, orders that we saw, uh, you know, you could go to your local mall or um, big box shop and see on Black Friday or Cyber Monday, like I did, and then see it was, it was pretty slow. Um, you know, the, those older videos that I'm sure even today, but future generations will look at and just shake their head where people were like fighting to, to get into a mall. The second that it opened are are no longer that said you know we have seen um i'd say across the year versus for peak season across the year just a huge demand in the brands that are starting to sell into retail uh and starting to sell to retail earlier in their journey and so you know i i, I give uh i always think of, of target often i give them a lot of credit where they were one of the first huge retailers to i think actively court these, these cool direct consumer brands because they saw how people were, were spending their money and the brands that they were drawn to and bringing that into their store and therefore a lot of companies, you know, from from Walmart to Nordstrom to Ulta to Sephora they're really going after a lot of these these upstart brands as well, which which we work with a lot of those. And so, overall we actually saw the retail pie grow immensely. Black Friday, Cyber Monday that's not necessarily their time to sign.
0: Yeah, and, and kind of tying this into the supply chain, I mean it obviously it makes it when you have retail peak season and, and this peak in, in Q4, it makes it difficult kind of the planning process or maybe not difficult, but you know, it's coming. But when you see growth, like some of these numbers, like you said, 3X in some cases, like how from a supply chain perspective, like how can these D2C companies or these retailers like plan ahead for their operations to, to scale at, during that time and and not crumble under that pressure.
1: So where we really look to support our customers, it's, it's in a lot of ways, but a couple of things that I'm gonna highlight is, um, one is from a data perspective, is what have you seen this year? What have you seen prior years? I mean, I shared some of those numbers, but if you get into certain verticals, like we saw, or categories, we saw jewelry was up like a thousand percent, apparel was up almost 800 uh, percent, you know, beverage or home goods was up almost 600%. And so that's a huge influx when you're comparing it just to like the prior month. And so it's really, how can you get access to the data to forecast what that demand's gonna be? And and that is is difficult, but we're there to help support our customers that way. Uh, Another way that the companies can plan is how can you reduce um, all the variables that you need to fully control? And so you still need to figure out how much do you need to order which SKUs do you need to order? When, what's the lead time with our manufacturer to get things, um, to our fulfillment center, whether you're manufacturing overseas or whether you're doing that in the United States. And then for us, we really want to be the easy button for these brands so that they don't need to worry about receiving the goods, storing the goods, getting these, getting these goods out. And again, whether they're what we're sending it to your retail partners distribution center or whether we're shipping millions of direct to consumer orders to your end consumer, um, we can handle the influx in volume we plan for that all year that's that's what we're here for we can also help split the inventory around the united states to help reduce the burden on any let's say single point of failure or fulfillment center while also getting the goods closer to the end consumer which helps in a couple ways one is that of course gets it to them faster but the the two variables when you're thinking of what does it cost for me to ship something it's really what is the weight or the dimensional weight of the good, which is often fixed based off of what you're selling. And then what's the zone or aka like how far are you shipping it? And so if you can, obviously, if it, if you're located closer to the consumer, not only is it getting there faster, but it's also costing the brand less or maybe the consumer less, depending on how they decide to pass over the shipping costs. And so it's, it's really everybody wins in that scenario.
0: Yeah. And... When you think about this, I mean, that's obviously one of the challenges that these companies face. You take, like, how, how you combat those challenges. I mean, obviously they want to focus on their core business, which is ultimately selling the good. And the supply chain is part of that. But, and it's an important part because it's the part that gets the good from the manufacturer to the consumer's hands. But it's not the core business. And how does, how do you like have conversations with with either customers or somebody that's like looking in like, hey, this is an important part, but we don't want to necessarily spend all our time and resources trying to fix it where we have these, A, we're able to outsource it and basically take some of that burden off of us.
1: I, I think it's just explaining exactly how we can partner with these brands, because like you said, a a vast majority of them don't want to deal with that. They want to focus on what they do best, which is often, um, product creation, um, sales and marketing, uh, community building, really understanding their customer. They want to drive the sales. And so that's where we come in. We go, great, do what you do best drive the sales, drive them as high as you want. Um, if if you get us the goods, again, you can decide where you wanna distribute your inventory across our facilities, or we can do that on your behalf. Again, we have the data across our customer base. We can parse that down into at a category level um to give them suggestions on how we should be splitting the inventory and we can handle all that. And so that way they can just focus again on what they do best. They can drive the sales, they can try to go as big as possible. Because something that we hear from a lot of uh, a lot of brands is um you know, I want to get bigger, but I'm scared because I'm fulfilling myself. And I know that if I sell whatever X number of orders today, I either need to pick and pack and ship those today and I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to get more orders. And so I'm going to have to pick and pack those. I never have time to actually grow the business. Um, You know, it's like Sisyphean where they just feel like they're pushing this rock uphill every single day and they wake up and that rock is falling back down to the bottom. And they got to push it back up again. And so how can you remove that from your plate? So you can focus on, again, the core, the core business. You know, we have, we have some customers. We, we have one called, called Pet Lab. You know, they're a nine figure brand. They only have a handful of people on their operations team. They're selling across pretty much every channel under the sun. They're selling around the world. Uh, they're selling at a, a very large scale, but by outsourcing their fulfillment, you know, they can focus again on what they do best and they don't need to build this, this army of people to, to handle all this for them.
0: Yeah. It, do you see that fulfill outsourcing fulfillment as this continued growth engine in the future? Because I mean, you look at things like you mentioned TikTok shop earlier. I mean, I, I know personally, like I scroll through there and I see it. it it's hard to miss it uh, nowadays. I mean, is this, this continued growth arm, especially as we talk about, I mean, you can look at millennials, Gen Z, those become like your prime purchasers nowadays. Like, is this, I would think it, it continues to go that route as opposed to brands bringing it in-house uh, as they kind of understand and, and they hit that kind of plateau uh, in growth cycles.
1: I agree. I mean, the, the focus of course on, on economics is should, has always been important. I think people have really come around to how it's maybe priority number one. Um, You know, the, the Zerp world is in the rearview mirror for a lot of, Brands, customer acquisition costs are up. Um, you know, competition continues to increase, so it gets more and more difficult. <clears throat> and so, when you think of ways that you can really differentiate from your your competition, of course, you want to get um, provide this amazing post purchase experience because, uh, and, and maybe add a customization element there as well. Something as a marketer, and we think about a lot is. You know, wh- where where do you get 100% or as close to 100% open rate as possible? It's on the packages you ship. And so you want to get that to the customer as fast as possible. And you want to, again, give them this delightful experience, whether it's your custom packaging or the custom inserts or a thank you note or something like that. Um, but also, as you grow and scale, how can you identify some of the, the biggest line items that you're going to have, which shipping into the film is always going to be one of them. And maybe move from like a fixed cost model to a variable cost model. So if you're fulfilling yourself, whether that's, you know, in your spare bedroom or whether that's in your own warehouse and then you have staff, you're going to have this always this this fixed cost. But what happens if you grow or if you shrink or if you stay flat? You know, how do you move to this variable cost model? So that's just one of the many benefits, I believe, of, of outsourcing with the right part. Absolutely.
0: Well, we're coming up on time here real quick, but just real fast, what... Five ten 10 years in the future, what what are your thoughts on this outsource fulfillment and the impacts that that's going to have on domestic
1: supply chains overall? Uh, looking much further down the road, I'd say one of our goals is as simple as it is for let's say somebody <clears> that doesn't to do like with cloud hosting with AWS where it's just a click of a button and you can send these, these bits all over the world and it doesn't matter where you are and whether you're on your phone or whether you're on a computer and whether you're, you know, here in Southern California, like I am, or you're on the other side of the world. We want it to be that easy for, for these, these brands to distribute and ship goods again, whether you're selling that through your dot com or whether it's through a marketplace, you know, it should just be really truly the easy button where you have access to all of your data. And, and you can just really focus on, again, driving demand for the goods and we can take care of the rest for you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Casey, so much for
0: joining us at the Domestic Supply Chain Summit. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more content.